Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Into the Fray. I'm Daniel Marable. I'm Eli Kleinman. And our first topic for today, our discussion topic, is the importance of drafting. So, does it even matter anymore for a team to draft well? What do you think, Eli? This is actually one of the more difficult questions, I think, in terms of the NBA, because I think it is really dependent on the situation. So you look at a team, I think we'll both talk about them in terms of one of the worst drafting teams in the NBA. And you look at the Sacramento Kings, how many top picks they've had and how many awful picks they've had. You can go back to 2013, one of their worst picks, Ben McLemore. He was drafted seventh overall. After him went Contavious Caldwell-Pope, two picks after went C.J. McCollum, Stephen Adams went 12, awful pick. You look at someone like Nick Stauskas drafted top 10, Willie Cauley-Stein drafted in the top 10, and then you just keep going, Georgios Papagiannis, like, we've never heard of him. He was drafted 13th, he was in the lottery, and then they had three picks that year, and not one of those players has turned out to be anything. And then the year after, De'Aaron Fox was an actually an excellent pick. That is the one exception, I would say. But after that, they picked Justin Jackson, who has been all right. And then Harry Giles, who was an, a project that was going to need work, and he hasn't turned out him, and he's now on the Trailblazers. And then Marvin Bagley picked number two before Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Clearly a disappointment. But... So while that is a team that is awful at drafting, you look at a team that hasn't necessarily drafted all that well and still found success, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Julius Randle is a solid pick, but they got rid of him quickly. Same with D'Angelo Russell, Ingram, Lonzo Ball. All the, almost every pick the Lakers have made since 2014 is no longer on their roster. I don't think there is a player besides Kyle Kuzma who's still on their roster, and yet they won a championship. And part of that was trading for Anthony Davis, which they gave up a good amount of those picks. But I don't think anyone's here saying that Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball were as good as Anthony Davis in a package. I mean, that 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 is clearly not true. So it matters for some teams. It doesn't for others. And I think what determines that is where you are in a win in – in your phases for winning because if you're trying to win now then drafting is much less important but if you are still trying to rebuild your franchise as someone like sacramento is then yeah you need to get the draft right right i there's clearly there's clearly an argument to be made here uh what we saw the celtics trade for garnett and ray allen to win a championship right they didn't draft either of them then came the the big three the heat LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. They didn't draft LeBron or Bosh yet. They won two championships with them. And now we've got the Lakers, like you talked about, the defending champions. They didn't draft LeBron or Anthony Davis. And let's be honest, they would probably be, I don't know, near the bottom of the league if they didn't um, if they didn't have Davis. And, you know, would they ever have Le- uh, LeBron, right? If they just, right? So um, we're starting to see the importance of the NBA draft, you know, be in question, right? I don't think it was in question before, but now we are. And so I would say no. Obviously, you can't rely just on the draft to build a contending team. You're going to need to also make you know some quality free agency moves. Um, the draft, I think, is most important for smaller market teams, obviously. 
you absolutely yeah. have to find a star in the draft if you're a small market team. Sort of like like the Bucks did with Giannis. Uh, because the truth is, no free agent is ever or has ever wanted to play in Milwaukee or Oklahoma City or Sacramento. It just doesn't happen. And it's clear once you look at the most successful franchises of the the last few years, five, ten years, there's definitely a positive correlation between success and drafting well. Uh, let's look at the Celtics. They drafted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum third overall, who are by no means the consensus number one pick in either of their drafts, uh, but have proven to be the best players from their class. That's debatable. I'd say they're the best from their class. But think about it. Those two picks could have just as easily been Markel Fultz and Dragon Bender. And in that case, the Celtics would unquestionably be the worst team in the league right now. It wouldn't be up for debate. Also, you've got the Miami Heat, who've been excellent when it comes to drafting. Who made the finals last year? Adebayo and Hero were both mid-first-round picks, so they weren't seen as high prospects at the time. They were, they were, I think, 16 and, and 13. And there's no way they would have made the finals last year without even just one of them. And, of course, you can't mention drafting well without mentioning the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, even Harrison Barnes, if you want to throw him in there. And the thing is, none of them were super high picks. So it demonstrates the Warriors' expertise when it comes to drafting and the importance of drafting. And, and you know, boy, did it pay off. Three championships. Uh, absolutely. And I think actually one thing you mentioned was that you can't win without signing a free agent, even if you draft well. The Warriors are the one exception to that rule in certain ways. Of course, they eventually did sign Kevin Durant, but their first championship the biggest name they brought in was Andre Iguodala, and he played a huge role. He won finals MVP, although there is some debate that that should have been Steph Curry, which, you know, as the best player on the team and the MVP of the league, possibly. But Iguodala won finals MVP, and he was the biggest name they brought in. Their stars, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, are all drafted. Harrison Barnes was drafted. And I guess Andrew Bogut was a former number one overall pick they brought in, but he was not a number one pick caliber player. So that is certainly one team to mention. Another excellent team to mention that has had continued success is the San Antonio Spurs. You look at someone like Tony Parker. I mean, he was picked 28th overall. He was an excellent pick. There's only maybe one player who even is in comparison who went after him, and that would be Gilbert Arenas. But we don't hear about Gilbert Arenas. We hear about Tony Parker for a reason. Then you look at someone else like Kawhi Leonard. They drafted him 15th overall in a draft class that wasn't – was good. But there were several picks ahead of him who weren't better than him. You know, we just actually looked at that class last week. And, and they've made several good picks before and after as well. I mean, George Hill is a solid pick. And then since then, you have someone like Kyle Anderson, who's been a solid role player. He was drafted in the, with the last pick in 2014. And then you have DeJounte Murray, who's turned into a solid point guard. Derek White and Lonnie Walker, all playing solid roles on the Spurs. Look, the Spurs do need a star player if they ever want to contend for a title but they've certainly been good at using these mid-round picks to draft well and then one last team that did win a championship and dra has drafted well and that would be toronto they did pick chris bosh who left and he is one of their best picks in the last 20 years but 
They drafted DeMar DeRozan. Of course, he got traded for Kawhi Leonard, but you needed his asset to be able to trade for Kawhi Leonard. And they've made some very good quality picks. Pascal Siakam was picked towards the end of the first round. Then you have OG Ananobi. He was, again, in the 20s. Jacob Pertle was part of the Kawhi Leonard trade, so that's a solid pick. And just overall, they built a solid team that was able to contend around that was able to play around Kawhi Leonard to contend for a title, which they won. So obviously drafting matters, but I agree with what you said. I think small market team is, is where it is most important to draft well. And when you cannot do that, you're going to struggle. I mean, another team to shout out just real quick is the Portland trailblazers. I mean, they picked CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, but since then they've done nothing with any of their picks. And they've been one of those teams that hovers right around the lottery. So the end of the lottery or a playoff team, and they haven't been able to capitalize on any picks since those two guys. And what it's meant is just continued mediocrity. You know, like I said, they end up right around the lottery every single year, which is not what you're looking to do. You're looking to win championships. Exactly. And I mentioned, you know, the the teams that have demonstrated the ability to draft well correlates with their success. Um, So the same can be true for the same is true for the worst teams in the league. And you touched on them, but oh, I'm going to feast on them. This is the best example of the worst drafting team, you know, leading to to just the worst records over decades. The best example being the Sacramento Kings. And I feel bad for them, but but also like there are people making these picks, right? There are people behind these picks. So let's just go over some of these. 2018, Marvin Bagley picked two, and and you know I love Marvin Bagley. Former Duke player. He was sensational in college. I expected a lot more from him. And, and I still have faith in him. But picked second overall. But it looks awful. When, when you look, 2018, he was picked over Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Having way more... They're, they're already all-stars. They've been, they're already all-star starters. And he's what? Maybe, maybe the fifth best player on his team? And, and then, okay, 2018. If that's not enough, let's go to 2016. They picked Marquise Chris over DeMontis Sabonis and Karis LeVert. Oh, that's not enough? How about the year before that? 2015, Willie Cauley-Stein picked sixth instead of Devin Booker. 2014, Nick Stauskas. Nick Stauskas picked eighth. Eighth overall. Eighth. Eight. Over Zach Levine, Yusuf Nurkic, TJ Warren. The year before that, 2013, you talked about him. Ben McLemore, who's been a solid player for the Rockets. He's got a good role uh, for himself over there. But he picked. Uh, he was picked over C.J. McCollum and this this Greek guy named uh, Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Ben McLemore. Who is who who is it? exactly? Who is it? Uh, and the year before that, Thomas Robinson picked fifth. Uh, how many people even know who Thomas Robinson is? One pick, fifth. One pick ahead of Damian Lillard. So you want to know why the Kings have the longest playoff drought in the league? This is why. Horrible draft selections can set your franchise back decades. So. It's important, but we're we're at this point in time where there's not a lot of hype for the draft anymore. I mean, people see it as like the stars. It's it's a, a star driven league, and and it makes sense because these players aren't stars yet, and so the popular commodity you want stars, not not a guy who's a project who's going to take four to five years. Even though you know 
they ha- they have to play four to five years before they really come in, uh, into developing as stars. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll mention a couple more bad teams. The Knicks have been traditionally yeah. awful at drafting. Kristaps Porzingis is an exception, but obviously they shipped him out. Frank Nitalikina is, sorry, hard to pronounce his last name, but he is not really turned out to be what they hoped for. Kevin Knox, not neither. You know, you look at a team like Phoenix, who luckily they have Devin Booker, but besides Devin Booker, I mean, they drafted Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender, both in the top 10. That was awful. You look at a team like Washington, who really hasn't had success drafting. But one example, oh, and I think this is actually, see, this may be more of a hot take, but I don't really think it is. From 2013 to 2017 philadelphia had seven picks in the lottery that's four years they had seven picks only two of those picks were outside the top 10 only two of those picks have panned out out of seven i mean it's awful nerland's noel not good michael carter's williams not good joel and b a star that's one of those two picks. Dario Sarge. They got rid of him. He was a solid player, but not the 12th overall pick. They could use him right now. Yes, they could. Jaleel Okafor? I mean, don't get me started on Jaleel Okafor. We've talked about him before. Ben Simmons, another good player. But who was drafted after Ben Simmons? Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown. I think both of those players are better than him. I agree. And then Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum and De'Aaron Fox. Like, if you if you want to say, well, they didn't really need a small forward. They just picked Ben Simmons. Although, Ben Simmons basically plays point guard. Then, just go with De'Aaron Fox because De'Aaron Fox is clearly the better player. I mean, that is not a question. So, they're one of those teams that is a playoff team now, but still not very successful. But I think one interesting example that we actually need to point out about a team that's drafted well and it hasn't panned out is Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City had three top five picks in three years. And I, I'm willing to argue that I don't think a team has had a better three years drafting in terms of what the players have developed into outside of Oklahoma city. Cause James Harden was not what he is now outside in Oklahoma city, but they drafted Durant Westbrook and Harden in that three straight years. I mean, that's, incredibly successful drafting but you're now just about a a little bit more than a decade over about 14 15 years later and none of them are left on the team the last one was westbrook they traded him to houston kevin durant left in free agency Harden they just got rid of because they didn't want to pay him and i get it it's a small market but Sometimes even drafting for these small market teams doesn't lead to success. But I still think credit is due to Oklahoma City because that's incredible what they did. Even the Warriors' success in drafting Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green, which I'd argue Draymond Green's probably more impressive of a pick considering he fell all the way to 35 versus a top five pick like Oklahoma City. But I would argue Oklahoma City was more successful at picking at the same time the Warriors were building their dynasty. I mean, really, Durant was in 2007, and of course, Golden State didn't actually select Steph Curry, who was the first one part of that dynasty until 2009, 
But from 2009 and 2011, the Warriors picked, and then 2012 when they picked Draymond Green, they picked Curry, Thompson, and Green. Well, Oklahoma City picked Harden, Westbrook, and Durant in 2007, 2008, and 2009. So Harden and Curry are in the same class. And that's when Oklahoma City fell off in terms of drafting. The next year they drafted Cole Aldrich, which, as we talked about, that was a very poor draft class in 2010. So, you know, it's tough. Reggie Jackson was in 2011. That's not a bad pick no. either. Jeremy Lamb and Steven Adams both turned out to be solid picks, although Giannis was the better player. But you look at it and their dynasty didn't turn out. Sometimes it takes a little bit of luck, even when you draft correctly. That's a great point you make, though. I, I mean, it, OKC is like the perfect example of a small market team drafting well, what we've been talking about. Like, that's what they need to do. And it it still wasn't enough. I mean, they had they had those, they had Durant and Westbrook for under a decade. Westbrook a little more, but just under a decade. And that's just the harsh truth of being a small market team, I think. And I actually missed one player that they drafted in 2008. They also drafted Serge Ibaka with the 24th pick. Yeah. So you had four quality picks in three years. And I'd say three great picks and then a very good pick. I'll call Serge Ibaka a very good pick. And it turned out into one finals appearance, no championship. So, look, drafting is important. Obviously, Oklahoma City wouldn't have success without those picks, but you do need a little bit of luck to go your way. And if you're in a big market, there are other ways to get around drafting. I think that's what's clear. Small market teams need to draft. Yep. Well, that's the moral of the story. All right. So moving on to our next segment, we will be ranking college conferences by the NBA small forwards to come out of them. We've done uh, point guards. We've done shooting guards. Now we're on small forwards. All right. I think this will be... uh, We'll be in a heated debate here very soon, Eli. How about you start us off with your number five team? Who's number five? So my number five team actually happens to be near the top in my first two rankings, I believe in the top two for both of my first two rankings. And it's the SEC, the Southeastern Conference. And you have some solid players there, but no, no stars. I mean, I think Chris Middleton is a very solid small four. I wouldn't call him a star. Keldon Johnson is a very nice player, but, but we still need time to see. Anthony, look, this this what I will say about the SEC is they're a team, they're a conference that could rise because you have Anthony Edwards, you have Keldon Johnson, and even Michael Porter Jr. is someone I believe you'll mention eventually. Is all players who I think will get better. So this team, this conference could rise above some of the other conferences but right now they're five because they have one established piece and a lot of young players who i i I like watching but i wouldn't call them stars by any means all right uh number five i've got the mountain west conference which consists of Kawhi leonard from san diego state and paul george out of fresno state and that's it that's it and that's why i have the mountain west fifth you can't deny the talent right but but come on, let's not kid ourselves. Are you trying to prove something right let's now? Let's not kid ourselves. Are, are, are we going to put the Atlantic 10 first for point guards just because Steph Curry went to Davidson? It doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's one name. I hear 
two names and two stars. But, but it's not just two names and two stars. It's literally just two names. You couldn't pick another player. I know you put picked the Martin Twins. But let's not talk about how, let's not pretend they're notable players to appear on this list. It's literally just these two. It's not they notable do. players, it's just the two of them. They do get on the court for Charlotte. For Charlotte? Well, I should have left it as they get on the court. <laughs> All right. But, I, okay, the two of them, right. They're stars. They're, they are stars. They're bona fide stars. They're great players. But this is, this is the NBA. Basketball. There, so, are, there so, are five players that appear on a court. We'll get into this debate later when I finally rank the Mountain West because they are better than number five, and that is downright disrespectful. And I'll tell you why later. I'm going to get into that later. But let's go to number four. Who do you have at number four? Number four is your number five. I've got the SEC. You said Middleton out of Texas A&M. Also, Dorian Finney-Smith out of Florida. He went to Virginia Tech, but he transferred to Florida. Michael Porter Jr., out of Mizzou, and you mentioned Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky, and then, you know, Daniel House out of Texas A&M. As we can see, and we talked about this a little bit, small forward is an extremely top-heavy position in the NBA. You know, there's there's LeBron and KD, Kawhi, and, and Paul George, and if you want to throw Tatum and Ingram in there, and then it's sort of everyone else. It's sort of, it's everyone else. I, I could see the SEC, like you said, moving up in the coming years if Porter Jr. and Keldon Johnson take the next step, that we all expect them to. But yeah, I'm four and five were very disappointing for me. There's just not a lot of great small forwards in the league right now. Wow, five is disappointing to you. I just I'm a little sickened by that. But I'll give you my number four. My number four is the Big Twelve, and. The Big 12 is here because of one name. They wouldn't make the rankings without one name, and that's Kevin Durant. He went to Texas, and that's why they're ranked. I mean, it's as simple as that. Sure, you can talk about Andrew Wiggins. He's a good player. I mean, yes, he was a number one overall pick, but Andrew Wiggins is not someone you want to build your team around. I mean, right now for the Warriors, he's good for about a couple corner threes a game, and then you call it a day. I mean, if Wiggins can get – four corner threes to go in a game and maybe two layups and score 16 points, you're happy, and that's all you want from him. I mean, truly, that's all you want from him. So there's not really anything else that excites me. I mean, you could maybe mention Royce O'Neal, who plays for Utah. I mean, he's a solid player. I mean, again, he's in the everybody else that I don't really care about in terms of when I look for star players. Talon Horton Tucker might turn into something. We'll see, but probably not going to happen on the Lakers when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis still playing for them. So, yeah, the Big 12 are my number four because it, it, it's a one-man show. It, it just is. And, and he may be one of the – he's a top three player in the NBA, much less a top three small forward, but he's one guy, like you mentioned. The Atlantic 10 has Dade and Stephen Curry, but we didn't rank them for point guards because of one guy. I'll rank Kevin Durant because there's just enough around him to put them in number four. All right. Well, your number four is my number three. I've got the Big 12 third. Kevin Durant out of Texas, you mentioned. But then you forgot all the Kansas boys, the Kansas gang. We've got Josh Jackson. We've got Andrew Wiggins. And we've got Marcus Morris. And if you want to throw in Markeith, sure. Uh, oh, so oh, sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize we were naming irrelevant players like Josh Jackson. Sorry, oh, like okay, okay. So obviously, okay, okay, we'll come back to that. Obviously, you hit the nail on the head. Durant is carrying most of the load for the Big 12. 
But these Kansas guys are looking pretty good. They're looking pretty good this season. We we all know Marcus Morris is a guy who you can rely on to get buckets off the bench. You just throw him in there and he'll get you buckets. He was averaging like he was averaging like 18 points on the Knicks last year. That's fine. But my point is, is you just mentioned Josh Jackson. Oh, okay. Josh Jackson's having a bounce back year. You know, at, in Detroit. His first, his first, yeah, in Detroit, because guess what? There's nothing in Detroit, so he can do whatever the heck he wants in Detroit. Because, frankly, you could do whatever you wanted in Detroit. That's how little talent they have. Okay, that's that's not fair to Detroit. These are NBA players, and they're very good. That's true. But, I, I'm 5'7". It, it wouldn't happen in my, but, in my but, dreams. But my, my point is this, is that Josh Jackson is on – probably the least talented team in the NBA right now. So, of course, he's putting up stats, but he's not been anything special in the NBA. He's not something – yeah, he's averaged just over 10 points a game, but for a top-five pick, that's really – or a top-ten pick, that's really disappointing. No, Yes. So. No, no, I, I agree with you. It's just looking at this season for him, it's a bounce-back year after failing to live up to the fourth overall pick. Potential, but or height. also, he scored 13 points a game his rookie years, and he's only scoring 12.8 points per game right now. So, you know, it's a bounce-back year from last year in Memphis, but, that like, it's not it's not exactly inspiring. I guess I would put it that way. Sure, he's not a top 50 player, if that's what you think I'm saying. And moving on, you know, you know what, Wiggins... Wiggins is actually looking pretty good, too. And I know he's on your team, so you probably watch him a lot more than I do. But especially defensively, he's looked a lot better. But still, you're right. You know, if you take KD out, the Big 12 does not make my top five. Uh, the Big 12, yeah, without KD, of course they don't make the top five. It's just like, that. that that's just the... Uh reality of the situation it is a one-man conference and yes you're right there are other players who you can mention but nothing that makes it stands out for my number three i have the acc because they actually do have players who stand out and i think this is a solid conference you mentioned you know you mentioned a couple players coming in brandon ingram jason tatum they are jason tatum is going to be a superstar i wouldn't put him in that elite level where some of the guys coming up are you know, so I'll even mention one. I don't think Jason Tatum's where Jimmy Butler is yet. Just Jimmy Butler is a leader, as a leader of a team, as as the best player of a team who can lead a team to a finals. Jason Tatum has not done that yet. He, I think he will. He has the talent to do exactly that, but it, it hasn't happened yet. So Jason Tatum, DeAndre Hunter is a player, I think, should become a solid player for the Hawks. I mean, he is a solid player, but he still needs to develop certainly a little bit more as a three and D guy. Harrison Barnes has somehow keeps getting paid when he really hasn't done anything. I mean, truly like it, it is impressive to watch how teams give him big contracts for not much production. And then Carmelo Anthony, is a player I put here and obviously he's no longer what he was, but I, he's a solid player and he's still a solid player for Portland and he was a star at one point. And then, you know, I can mention a couple of names of guys you'll probably throw out eventually when the ACC comes up. I mean, Dwayne Bacon, Pat Connaughton, Jonathan Isaac. I don't know if you even, you know, but like the, those are guys that are just bench warmers. And I, frankly, I'm not going to rank a conference higher because of those names so you know this it comes in at number three because of tatum ingram 
and DeAndre Hunter. Though those are the three why it comes in at number three. Sure. All right. So at number two, I have the Big East, which Hayward out of Butler and Jimmy Butler out of Marquette, Jay Crowder out of Marquette, Otto Porter out of Georgetown, Doug McDermott from Creighton, Doug McBuckets, Mikael Bridges, Villanova, and then Rudy Gay out of UConn. And you know what? This is a very solid group of players. I wouldn't say a great group, but this is very solid, especially for you know a non-Power 5 conference. This is a solid group. You've got a nice balance of shooting and defense and a whole lot of veterans, so I like it. You know, I love Hayward, so, you know, two for me. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Well, here's where I get to have an axe to grind because, and I am defending my West Coast conferences, not the Pac-12, but the Mountain West Conference, because you are disrespecting the Mountain West Conference. You're right. It is just Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and that's two names. But those two names, take away Kevin Durant. Those two players are arguably better than any other player in the small forward position that went to college. Yeah, LeBron James didn't go to college. But Kawhi Leonard is clearly in the top three players, I'd say, in the NBA, period. He is there. Paul George is probably a top 10 player in the NBA, mm. if not top 15. It, it, he's a solid player. I know you don't like Paul George. No, you, no, you, I like Paul George, but he's not top I mean, 10. When we did the redraft, you don't like Paul George. Come on. We did, we did the 2010 redraft. You disrespected Paul George. Paul George is better than you think he is. I'm not sure what you don't see, but it's two stars, two absolute stars. I talked about what Paul George did in Indiana for the Pacers. He went to Oklahoma City. The Trailblazers beat them in the first round. That was unfortunate. Damian Lillard hit a dagger. I mean, one of the craziest shots I think we've ever seen in the NBA playoffs. I mean, minus Kawhi Leonard shot with the Raptors, which gets me to my point. Kawhi Leonard has won two championships and arguably has been the – for one of them, there's no argument. But for the second one, arguably he's been the best player on the championship team for two championships. No one else on this list can say that minus Kevin Durant. And when Kawhi won a championship in Toronto, he beat Kevin Durant's team that was obviously without Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant had a two-time MVP on his team, arguably one of the top three shooters of all time, and a reigning defensive player of the year in Draymond Green. So what Kawhi Leonard has done is basically unmatched. Even LeBron James has not done what Kawhi Leonard has done. Every time LeBron James has won a championship, he's had a star. I mean, if we're going to call Kyle Lowry a star, someone inform me that because I don't think Kyle Lowry is a star in the NBA. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's not a superstar. But Kawhi Leonard is the only player in the NBA that is a superstar that has won a championship without a super other superstar. And the fact that you rank the SEC above Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is just so disrespectful. I mean, look, Chris Middleton's a nice player. No one else has proven themselves there. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have proven themselves over and over again. So they are the by far and away the number two best conference in call for the small small forward position. You know what? You're right. You're right. Kawhi Leonard is a superstar he has led his team well not led the spurs but he was he was the finals uh mvp he he was on great teams he was the leading player on most great teams that won championships but you know what 
we're ranking the conferences. The conferences. Then the conferences consist of teams. They consist of players. And when you only have two players, you know what? Right. Paul George and Kawhi are great players. They're two of the best small forwards. And I can't argue that. But I will take the one, two, three, four, whatever. Middleton, Dorian Finney-Smith, Michael Porter Jr., Kelton Johnson, Daniel House. I will take... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You also have to look at the fact that that is the SEC, a team that we've ranked in the top two for every other position so far. And have no worries. They will be back in the top, probably top two, for at least one of the remaining two positions, which means they will be in the top three for three, if not four out of the five positions that we will rank. Mountain West Conference, though, is not a conference that produces basketball stars. Frankly, it's not a conference that produces stars at all. Exactly, I mean, and that's why they shouldn't, that's why they're five. But, but, but they are producing stars in this position. In the small forward position, the Mountain West Conference has produced stars. Two. And that is... Two stars that are so clearly better than anyone else the SEC has. But zero other players. If you could tell me, you're telling me, if you could start a franchise with what the SEC has at small forward or what the Mountain West Conference has at small forward, you take the SEC? Because the Lakers proved that otherwise. The Lakers said, we'll take two stars and we'll win a championship. Well, the SEC is a bunch of nice role players. I'll take those I'll take role players. Mountain, I'll take the Mountain West Conference. All right, we'll take our individual teams and hey, we'll see what West happens. West Coast bias. That is West Coast bias. All right, all right, sure. Well, number one, I have the ACC. That's right. We've got Tatum and Ingram out of Duke. We got DeAndre Hunter, like you mentioned, Joe Harris out of Virginia, and then Harrison Barnes, who we love so much. And Cam Johnson out of UNC. Oh, and you then, love those guys. Oh, oh yeah. Love they UNC. Were fun. You loved rooting for them in college, didn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Oh, the, the wonderful days. Yep. TJ Warren out of NC State. Dorian Finney-Smith, who went to Virginia Tech. And like I said, transferred you, to Florida later. You can't later. put him in both conferences. Oh, well, I just did. Pick one. All right. All right. Let's 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 hold him for... Okay, sure. We'll take We'll take him out of the ACC. And they're still number one. Because we're talking about him in Florida later. So I'll take him out of the ACC, and they're still better than the Big East. And then we got Dwayne Bacon. Like, you knew I would mention Dwayne Bacon out of Florida State. Uh, This is by far, even if you take Dorian Finney-Smith out, this is by far the deepest conference when it comes to small forwards. That is Uh, fair. All of these players are either A, starters, or B, have started a significant amount of games. And and I also like the variety of the schools. It's not just like Kentucky. Um... And it's not it's not just one college dominating. Uh, so you've got the stars in Tatum and Ingram. You got the shooting in Harris, and you got the defense in um, in DeAndre Hunter. And sure, we'll take out Finney Smith, but he would be the defensive guy. Number one is ACC. No brainer. Take Dorian Finney Smith out. Doesn't change anything. So when I mentioned West Coast bias, I forgot to mention your ACC bias. That's all right. No worries. We'll call it out now. The number one conference is the Big East. You explained it perfectly. You have a great player in Jimmy Butler. I'll argue he's better than any player in the ACC. Sure, you don't have Jason Tatum to follow it up, but you love Gordon Hayward, and I do too. A very solid player in the NBA mm-hmm. and really can be a second piece on a championship team. Mikael Bridges is just getting better. I mean, he was a star in college. He is a star. Gonna, he is turning into a very good player now. Rudy Gay, 
I mean, he was really good in his prime. Look, I know we're not talking about prime or we'd mentioned Carmelo Anthony being in his prime. He's not, but Rudy Gay was a very good player. Jake Crowder is another solid role player. And Otto Porter Jr. has been a solid player, not, not anything inspiring, but a very solid player in the NBA. So that's why they're number one, because while there may be more names in the ACC, I want quality names. And every name I named is very close, if not definitely a quality player. So that's why the Big East is number one. All right. Well, uh, the ACC is number one, but sure, we'll take it. Okay. Okay. You keep talking. So from here, we will move to our segment under the spotlight, where we will look at we look at one college program and how their players have developed into the NBA. More specifically, looking at current NBA players from that college. Today, we are looking at the Florida Gators, and it, we went from Kentucky to Florida, and so we went from the biggest class in the NBA to just. A five-person class as it currently stands. But there's some interesting things in this five-person class. So what are your first thoughts when you look at this? Well, my first thought is we've been to the West Coast with UCLA, then Northeast with UConn. It only makes sense to go south with the University of Florida. So go Gators. A fun fact, that was actually my high school's mascot. So even more, go Gators. Uh, Florida currently has five players in the NBA, which, you know what? We just we just went from Kentucky, so it doesn't look great. But that, that's not bad at all. Five is very respectable. Um, so we've got Bradley Beal. We've got Al Horford. And I picked him. Dorian Finney-Smith, he's come up a lot today. Udonis Haslam and Chris Chioza. And that's five. And you know what? That's actually more than UConn. So a lot of people probably wouldn't suspect that. This is a, this is becoming a Dorian Finney-Smith um like promotion podcast. Yeah, we, we should just title. We should just title this episode Dorian Finney Smith. Uh, like <laughs> honestly, like we're becoming the Dorian Finney Smith fan club at this point. Yeah. Hey, hopefully he, he hears this and hits us up. All right. So Florida also has some great NBA players of the past that I'd like to mention. We've got Joakim Noah, Jason Williams, David Lee. Uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Mike Miller, uh, and you can even throw in Chandler Parsons if you want, the worst contract in the NBA back in the day. Uh, Corey, Corey Brewer, we've talked about. You can throw him in there as well. And these guys all played during one specific era, the Billy Donovan era, which was 1996 to 2015. And so in this era, Florida won back-to-back -back national championships in 2006 and 7 with Horford, Noah, and Brewer. Those names sound familiar. Uh, and a uh, few things in the world of sports uh, is harder than winning two college basketball national championships in a row. Uh, so it was a pretty successful period for Florida, um, and that uh, that was reflected in the 2007 draft um, when Horford went third, Brewer went seventh, and Noah went ninth, which is crazy. That's crazy for one team. Uh, that's like Duke with Zion, Reddish, and R.J. Barrett. Knew you were going to mention that. Yep. So, but you're right. It is very impressive, and Duke, very impressive as well. Uh, although, in fairness, they did have the top three players from the high school class. So, you, you know, not having three players drafted that high would be slightly disappointing. Although, I would argue Cam Reddish has been a little disappointing from where his high school ranking was. I don't think there's much debate around that. But no, no, back to Florida, because that's what we're looking at today. They, they have one star in the NBA right now. Bradley Beal, but Al Horford was a star in certain respects on the Hawks. 
back before he went before he left to the Celtics, correct? Is that where his path took him? Al Horford went from Hawks to Celtics to 76ers. Sixers. He, he ditched to us. Thunder, to the Thunder, which, you know, unfortunately the Sixers, I mean, I feel bad for Horford because the, the Sixers traded a first-round pick to have the Thunder take him, which never must make you feel very good as a player. But he was a star. Like, he is, was truly a very good player. And like you mentioned, he was part of that team that won back-to-back national championships. And, you know, back in the early, mid-2000s during that era, Florida produced a bunch of good big men. I mean, David Lee is someone you mentioned. Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, as much of a joke as he's become, he was a solid big man back in the day. And like you said, that was all under Billy Donovan, who then went to Oklahoma City and... The rest was history for Florida. Florida's been a solid program. I mean, you look at a player like Chris Chioza's coming to the NBA, Dorian Finney-Smith, but nothing that is as good as that. Florida's clearly had a decline since since that era. And one thing I'll shout out, just as a college football fan as well as a college basketball fan. Florida's also the last team to win a football championship and a basketball championship in the same season. So that is something also impressive of note from that yeah. era. But yeah, so you know, very impressive. That's an Although, interesting stat. Yeah, I, funny enough, Alabama as good as they are on college basketball could, if they were on the table, do it this year, which seems unlikely. But you never know. It's March Madness. That's why we love it. But yeah, I think Florida is a solid team. And funny enough, I think we mentioned this. Did we mention it with UConn where it was like their players currently in the NBA would be a nice starting five. Yeah. Yep. This Florida Gator team, at least if Al Horford was in his prime and same with Udonis Haslam would be a very nice starting five. Yeah. I mean, Chris Chioza is not exactly who you want starting a point guard, but it would be a solid starting five. And I think, you know, Florida has produced solid players, especially considering that the SEC and more specifically schools, every SEC school besides Kentucky is more focused on football than basketball. So yep. the fact that Florida did have basketball success is impressive. Yep. And you know what? Believe it or not, I actually have a lot more to say about this Florida program right here. And, and so the most important takeaway is honestly, I see this as less about the players and more about the coach in Donovan. I think there's a reason we haven't seen a high-level prospect come out of Florida since Billy Donovan left uh, for the NBA, minus Chris Chioza. Uh, I think we have to uh, attribute a lot of this to Donovan. He was key to the recruitment and development of talent that could and would easily translate to the NBA. And when you look at it, a majority of these guys have had successful NBA careers, like you talked about. Uh, We saw what Donovan was able to do in OKC last year. He was a finalist for Coach of the Year. I think a lot of people forget that. He was one of three finalists for Coach of the Year. He didn't win that, but he was he was right up there. Uh, he's a proven winner. Uh, he's proven he's a winning coach at, at all levels. And, and this reminds me, like, I remember there was a story uh, about Jalen Brown, uh, and he was playing for, I don't know if you've heard this story. Jalen Brown was playing for Donovan on the, I, th- I believe it was the USA basketball under 18 team. And Brown was frustrated with his playing time. And I think he complained to Donovan, and Donovan told him he'd be out of the league in three seasons because he played without, like, any effort. And so I think Donovan giving Brown that wake-up call totally lit a fire underneath him. 
And I'm willing to bet that Brown wouldn't be where he is today if, if he was never told that by Donovan. Uh, and this is the effect that I think Billy Donovan had on the Florida program and its players, and you can't teach that. You can't teach that. Yeah, I mean, one thing to mention quickly about Jalen Brown, I know very did not go to Florida. He went to Cal. But, you know, Brown is very is a very smart player. Is just a very, you know, really like he is focused on a lot more than basketball. So I, I truly do believe that, you know, for Brown, it was probably a wake up call. And he's had all the talent. He's always had it. So he's really made it count. And Billy Donovan, sure, I'll believe it that Billy Donovan is part of the success, success um, for that. One thing I'll note is, you know, Billy Donovan has been a good coach, but you know, it didn't really work out in Oklahoma City. I mean, they should not have fired him last year. They were not a contender. I'm not really sure what the idea behind that was. Now he's with the Bulls, and you know, the Bulls are not a good team. But it'll be interesting to see where Donovan goes there from there. I agree. He was completely behind Florida's success in college basketball and in the NBA. They're good, but they're nowhere close to what they were with him. So that is certainly something to note. Do you have anything else you want to add on Florida? Um, specifically, like about the players, I think it's interesting. Besides Beal, um, all of the current players from Florida are mostly what we like to call glue guys, right? The most of them are ceiling raisers uh, more than they are floor raisers. Uh, Horford, you talked about, was a star in Atlanta, but he's always been really best utilized as a complimentary piece, like he was in Boston. He was really important for that Boston team, as we see now that they really don't have a good big man. Same with Dorian Finney-Smith, our favorite in Dallas. He's an excellent defender. He guards multiple positions. He doesn't jump off the stat sheet, but he impacts the game in a variety of ways. And then, you know, I feel like we can't talk about Florida without Udonis Haslam uh, being mentioned. And he's been with the Heat since what seems like before the dinosaurs at this point. I was going to say since the Stone Age. And... Yeah, and I looked, he hasn't really played. He hasn't, he's played like something like 40 games in the last four years. He really isn't more of an assistant role. Right. At He's this more point. of a... I mean, and, and, you know, it makes sense. I mean, he was drafted in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is coming on 20 NBA seasons. Very few NBA players make it 20 NBA seasons. So, you know, even Michael Jordan didn't make it 20 right. NBA seasons. Did he? I mean, I don't think no, he did. No. Yeah. So, you know, it's impressive what Udonis Haslam has done for sure. Um, with that, we will head to our final segment, my favorite segment. Where'd he go? We each will give each other three players, and half they we will have to they're from the NBA, and the other will have to guess where they went to college. I believe we're still tied. Frankly, I've kind of lost track of the record, but I believe it's six and six. That's I believe I, I believe six and six is correct. Six and six is the correct answer. We'll see if. Who can, if anyone can take the lead? Because we've been tied now for a couple straight weeks. I will go first. I was playing 2K the other day, and I remember loving this guy in college. Now he's on Utah. Do you know where, and he's not a big name. So I'm not sure very many people have heard of him. Do you know where Me Oni went to college? Me Oni. M Y E. Yeah, no, I no, no. I, yes, I, I've heard of him. Oh, man, Oni. And I want to say, like, in the middle of nowhere. Kind of. That's not the wrong idea, I guess. Okay. Mmm. This is a good one. 
I feel like I want to say UNLV, but I know it's not UNLV because we would have mentioned it before. But it's like it's along those lines. It's somewhere around there. You okay, gotta no, make a guess. Yeah. Oh gosh, I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say he he went to like oh gosh, I don't even know. I'm I'll just say he went to Washington. No, he was all the way across the country. You had oh, the no. coast part right by the end. He went to Yale. Did he really? Ivy Leaguer. Yes, he did. Wow. And I. He was a fun player to watch on Yale. I mean, Yale's had success in college basketball. And, you know, one of one of my favorite guys. So, me, Yoni, um, not very good in 2K, at least not for me. But I still like him as a player. All right, you stumped me there. All right, my guy, Robert Williams. He's got a lot of potential. A great We're player about for the, the Celtics. Celtics yep. Robert Williams. Celtics Robert okay. Williams. Where'd he go? Well, the man capped off. I don't know if this is when he was drafted. I, this wasn't even his last game. They won this game, but this was his last tournament. Capped off his last tournament with a windmill dunk against Providence. Playing for Texas A&M. Oh no! I don't think I'll ever forget. Yep. That moment. That was special to watch. Of course, I was watching it during school. Hopefully, my mom turns off the podcast by the time this point get we get to this point. But he did go to Texas A&M. Uh, my second, I'll go with my second player. I'm really going with people I like right now. This guy is on the Warriors, basically starting. I mean, he is starting, but arguably starting at center, more power forward. Juan Toscano Anderson. I knew, I knew is, it. Who is an interesting role player for the Warriors. I'm not really sure how I feel about him, but I had no idea where he went to college until I looked it up. So I thought, let's see if Daniel knows. I know he's a hometown kid. I know he was like born in Oakland. I know he, I know he went to college in Oakland or something like that. Around there, San Francisco. No. Okay, your face is telling me no. Because uh, I can't even name. There is an Oakland. Co- Oakland University, Oakland College, I feel like, I think, no, that can't be, I don't, I have no, mmm. So, Juan Toscano Anderson is from Oakland. Okay, okay, he did not And he did go to Castro Valley, but are you going to make a guess? Yes, I'm going to make a guess, and it was not, it's nowhere near there. Um, I'm going to say he went to, I'm going to say he went to Villanova. I don't know why. You're really close. One of these times, we're going to make a complete random guess and uh-huh. get it right, and it's just going to be mayhem. But you're very close. He went to a biggie school. He went to Marquette. Oh, no. That so, was close. Then you were close. But, yeah, Wantos Kyle Anderson found himself a starting role on the Warriors. Dang, I am 0 for 2. All right. I'm going to get you here, I think. Garrett, Garrett Temple. He's having a good year in Chicago. Where did he go? It's been a while. So this feels like a current AAC school, which stands for American Athletic Conference. But I'm not sure. This one is just going to be a guess. He feels like either a Big 12 school or an American Conference school. But I'm going to stick with my first guy. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. That was the first school that came in my head. That's a good guess. But you were wrong. He went to LSU. Oh my gosh, I was completely off. Many, many years ago. Yeah, well before I started watching college basketball, that's for sure. All right, I'll I'll go with mine now. 
My last one, which I just changed because I originally had a guy we talked about a lot today. Not Dorian Finney-Smith. It was not Dorian Finney-Smith. Who was it? Who was it? It was Jay Crowder. Oh, I would have gone that wrong. Okay, well, Jay Jay Crowder. No, 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 no. You switched it up. You switched it up. Okay, fine. Okay, okay. I'll I'll pick a different guy. How about Jamichael Green? Where did he go? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I know this answer. Like, it's... It's one of those answers that I should know, right? Like, it feels obvious to me. It's definitely, it's an SEC school. And it's not Florida because we looked at them. And it's not Kentucky because we looked at them. It's not LSU because you wouldn't give me two straight LSU players. Although, last week, in fairness, I was very close to giving you Matthew Della Vadova right after Patty Mills. But you mentioned him first, so I quickly pulled an audible. It's not Arkansas. We're just narrowing this thing down. It's not Auburn. It's definitely an SEC school, though. Uh, Let's see. It's not Missouri. Is it Tennessee? You you were like just, you know, checking them off one after the other. I was I was positive you were going to get it, but you are wrong. He went to Alabama. Oh, that's so frustrating. Oh my gosh, that was I it was in my mind, but it was like, no, he didn't go there. He's not one of those guys. Oh, wow. That was really That was close. close. I kept you from going that perfect. Was, that was unfortunate. Well, did I get the last two? No, no. I got Garrett Temple wrong. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. One for two. One so, for two. But I'm. You need. I'm zero for two. Correct. You need this for the tie. Yes. Uh. I feel like you might get this one. I feel like this is my easiest one. He was on the Clippers. Now he's on the Nets. Role player Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit. Of course. Of course. Wichita no, State. This was too easy. It was yep. too. Wichita easy. State. He's been everywhere. He, he was on the 76ers. He went to the Clippers. Now he's on the Nets. He just seems to follow the contenders. Hey, that t- solid strategy in my book. Yeah. So, well, tied once again yeah. and pack under 500 once again. Both of us are at seven and eight. I guess next week we'll try to reach 500 again or go three for three and get above 500. That would be special. Unlikely though. Well, that's all we have for today. You can find us on any place you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, name it. You can find us there. We will be back next week with another episode of Into the Fray. For Daniel, I'm Eli. So long. We'll see you next week.